the Cambridge Marketing Podcast with Kieran Kapoor. Brought to you by Cambridge Marketing College. See their range of courses and apprenticeships at marketingcollege.com. Hello and welcome. Uh, This is the last podcast of 2023. So we're going to have a slightly indulgent brief roundup of some of the many subjects we've covered this year. Um, And we're going to look at the top three downloaded episodes for the year. And then, because it's nearly Christmas, there's a quiz for you to try. So looking back over the year, I've had guests from many, many industries talking about the industry and how marketing is used in them. And we've covered um, a wide variety, including technical products such as paint coating technologies. We've looked at the nighttime economy. We've looked at marketing a football club, marketing food, influencer marketing, the animal health industry. Redgate came on and talked about the IT industry. And the mayor of Cambridgeshire and Peterborough came on to talk about local democracy. We also looked at some technical marketing skills. Um, We looked at how you can reflect, how to use data meaningfully, how to make meetings more effective, how to close the deal, and how to use PR. And what I've noticed with the top three downloaded podcasts is what it said about marketing and marketing themes. The third highest downloaded podcast this year was actually on how to make meetings more effective. Um, Stuart Gillis of Seventh Wave came on to talk about the best way to make meetings work. If you ask the question, why are you holding this meeting? The question tends to be, well, because we always have. That's just the way that we do things around here, so to speak. So it's one of the, it's one of the main questions you should ask yourself is, what's the purpose of the meeting? What are we ha- um, hoping to gain from bringing the team together because there's a cost involved in doing that, bringing the team together. So if you're going to bring a team together and spend money, essentially, then there has to be a return on that investment. So first question, why are we holding this meeting? What are we aiming to gain from it? Uh, And as you say, if there's a a particular reason, a a reason around compliance, etc., then then great, hold the meeting. Um, but don't do it if it's purely out of habit that it's you hold the weekly meeting because it's the weekly meeting. Thank you, Stuart, for those insights. If um, somebody listening thinks, right, I really want to start making my meetings more productive, have you any sort of hints and tips that they could start with? Oh, yeah, OK, yeah. So um, I'd probably think about them in a sort of a, my top five, if you like. So mm-hmm. I would say I'll always ask that question, do you need the meeting, which we've spoken about previously. So just because it always takes place on the first Tuesday of the month doesn't mean that you necessarily need to have it every single time. Um, I've said this previously as well, be absolutely ruthless with your agenda. Um, If it's a download or directive, just trust your colleagues to read the email and it saves real time for the three Ds, you know, the the debate, the disagreement and the decision-making process within the meetings. Um, Frame your agenda points as questions circulate that in advance it gets all of your agenda um, your attendees thinking about that well in advance of the meeting um, the my problem in my top one of these top five advice for um, or observation for organizations is get better at disagreeing you know, organizations who are really comfortable with disagreeing 
unearth so much more information and points of view. And when you hear from everybody, regardless of their position in the organisation, businesses take a huge leap forward. And my final one, which I think, don't think we've spoken about anyway, but ban AOB. If a subject commands time on the agenda, then it, it really should have its own time uh, allotted to it. Um, I could suggest quite a few more, you know, a point in a timekeeper, instigate rounds, which we've spoken about. Um, and we have spoken about a little bit about um, appreciation, you know, starting and ending with appreciation raises the overall thinking of the group, focuses more on the positives that are going on currently. And that can be a very simple question at the start of the meeting. So that might be, um, what's one thing that's bringing joy to your life currently? And just take a quick round without questions um, or interruptions from each person just to say one thing that's going really well. And that lifts the general mood and perhaps certainly helps the attendees forget the meeting they've just been to and allows them to refocus and be more mindful about what they're about to step into. The Cambridge Marketing Podcast from Cambridge Marketing College, training marketing and PR professionals across the globe. The second highest download was guest presenter Charlotte Lestienne interviewing me on the issue of redundancy. Can you explain the difference between redundancy and being fired? Yeah, and it's a good question. Um, being fired is something that you have done something wrong, usually some form of gross misconduct. You've lied, you've, I don't know, hit a client, you've done something bad. Redundancy is a formal legal process and it's very different. The role is made redundant. You are technically not made redundant, although it feels like that. We talk about I've been made redundant because that's how it feels, but technically your role has been. So it could be that your whole department has gone. It could be just your particular role. And sadly, we are starting to see one or two apprentices where companies have decided that the apprentice role has gone. But there is a formal process that, you ha that companies have to go to for redundancy. Um, you have certain rights, and it's worth Googling those, those rights. Um, ACAS website is very good. There's a government website also that it explains. But there is a formal process. You have to be consulted. Um, the company has to see if there's an alternative role that they can offer you, um, which you do not have to take. Um, but there are set rules and things that has to be go through with redundancy. So it, it is not personal. And I'm going to keep stressing that because actually, once you realise it's not personal, it's much easier to ask for help. Uh, thanks. That was very clear. And I think you are very lucky in this country to have two words to explain the two concepts. In French, we only have one. It's called licenciement. And you need to explain if it's for an economical reason of misconduct. So I believe there is more stigma and, and confusion around these two concepts than here. So yes, we need to be very clear. And finally, in top spot, the most downloaded podcast of 2023 was the amazing Daryl Fielding on branding. Daryl's worked on brands and campaigns such as Vodafone, Ford and Dove, and is a treasure trove of stories. Well, let's talk about one Ford brand in particular, which, which is one of my, um, you know, I have experience of doing it. So it, it, it is always perhaps better to talk in practice and in theory. And we had to do um, an advertising campaign for the Ford Transit 
in the um, end of one particular model's life. Um, so normally what happens at that time in the life cycle of any vehicle is as it becomes a little older in design, there's massive discounting at the end of its life. Um, but we chose a very different path for the for the transit at that time, um, where we actually um, investigated what really what you know, customers felt about the brand. There was a sort of popular narrative that there were no brands in the category, um, that really all that mattered was the amount of load that the vehicles could carry and that, that customers really didn't care as long as they could get the paints or the pallets or whatever was put, put in, in the back. Um, and we were having a conversation about this and I just didn't quite feel it rang true. And one of my teams said, yes, but people will still pay you know, £20 more a month to lease a Mercedes. And I'm like, well, if that's the case, then there are brands, aren't there? And let's go and find out what is special about transit. Um, and what we found really was was a difference in respect between um, Mercedes drivers and transit van drivers. And often that was controlled by the fleet manager in a big organisation. And what one fleet manager said to us is, oh, well, I, you know, I, I always give the uh, transit vans to the young, young bloods because it can take a beating, you know. And I thought, oh, gosh, you know, that was quite a an insightful comment that, 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 the, you know, that the, the transit van was not a brand that had a lot of respect. And yet it was the biggest brand in the country. So um, we decided to go down a path with the brand campaign and the, the campaign for the, the, the transit, which restored pride. And our creative brief was, you know, we want to um, bring a tear to the eye of, of transit drivers everywhere and make Mercedes drivers feel really guilty. Um, and that's when we came up with this idea that transit was the backbone of Britain. Now, I think that is, it's yes, it was an ad campaign, but it's an incredibly powerful brand idea because our vans were the fabric of the nation. They were ambulances. They were building the Millennium Dome at the time. That tells you how long ago this was. Um, and, you know, they were, um, you know, the Variety Club used them to transport people to their events. You know, the small businessman, the baker, the, you know, the butcher. Um, and we did the most wonderful uh, ad campaign celebrating the transit. And um, it ran. It's the only commercial I ever did where the client never demanded one change to the first edit we presented. Um, Jack Nasser, who ran the Ford Ford globally at the time as a global chief executive, Ford said it was the perfect commercial, which I thought was a great compliment. Um, and even better, they didn't see the drop in sales before the vehicle ran out. Um, and I think I'm right in saying that the the estimated value of that uh, the, that lack of decline was about five hundred million pounds. Gosh! So you know that was something that was well thought through. It was insight driven. It connected incredibly well with the nature of the product and it did something to address its reputation. Um, so, you know, if, if you like, uh, that is an example of a piece of brand building, um, I think is is really uh, interesting. And I think I'm right in, in saying that they've actually resurrected that idea after, you know, some years of not using it. I think it, they're back at it now. And, and I think it was a really um, an idea that could could endure. Um, mm. It didn't so much, but I think they're now running it again. All our podcasts are available wherever you get your podcasts, including Smart Speaker.
Alexa, play the Cambridge Marketing Podcast. And as a reminder, we do two podcasts a week. We have our Topical Opinionated Marketers, which considers a story in the news from a marketer's viewpoint. And we also have a weekly interview with a marketing expert from one of those many backgrounds or bringing some of those marketing skills to life. The Cambridge Marketing Podcast from Cambridge Marketing College. Training marketing and PR professionals across the globe. So with that indulgence over... Let's try a little musical quiz for you. Sonic brands, idents, audio branding, they all mean that organisations use a consistent sound to differentiate themselves. So at Christmas time, quite often you get brands that are using music um, for their Christmas adverts. That's not a Sonic brand. It's a campaign. So John Lewis famously will use a a tune that um, you hear over and over again, and then come the new year, they drop it, and then there's a new new tune for the next year's campaign. That's using music. It's a very interesting way of doing it, but it's not a sonic brand. A sonic brand, an ident, is something that you use over and over again so that when you hear it, it is iconic as seeing the brand or seeing the logo. Of course, one way to stand out to do this is just to use your name in the Sonic branding. So here are two who are not in the quiz, but they are quite good Sonic brands. You should be able to hear the name as we play them. PlayStation. EA Sports. It's in the game. So good for recognition and an interesting approach, but not so good for a quiz. So... When you hear these sounds, which brands do they conjure up for you? We're going to play them through once, and then we will repeat, and I will give you the answer. We're in the world of cinema and entertainment, just to give you a clue. Here's the first one. And number two. Number three. Number four. Number five. Number six. Now, having had all that um, cinema and entertainment, you might need to pay for it. So here is a different Sonic brand in the finance area. Okay, let's see how you got on with those. So, number one. That was the MGM lion roaring. Number two. That's actually the sound company, THX. Um, pointing out that it's their sound technology that you're about to hear. Number three. The very, very iconic Disney. Number four. Takes us more into the world of entertainment. That was the Xbox theme. Number five. The Netflix N and the click that goes behind it. Number six. And that's the YouTube logo. Um, So finally, you might need a credit card in order to pay for all that entertainment. 
And so number seven was... And that's MasterCard. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the quiz and all the shows for this year. Um, I wish you a peaceful festive season and look forward to catching you in the new year. Thank you. <laughs>